This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. From NPR Music, I'm Ana Maria Sayer, and this is Alt Latino. Let the chisme begin. So, mi gente, it's just me this week. Felix is out on some well-schemed but definitely well-deserved long vacation. While I'm doing the work and holding things down, I'm taking a little bit of descanso myself. I'm talking to you all from my tia's house in the rainforest in Mexico, enjoying some family time in the place where it all began. No spot felt more perfect to intro this week's guest, Fabi Reina of Reina Tropical. She is an all-star performer, activist, organizer, and honestly human. I fell in love with Reina Tropical's smooth tropical beats and striking lyrics. And I had no idea that Fabi was shredding for bands like Slater Kinney and running her own magazine, She Shreds, a magazine dedicated to women and gender non-conforming guitarists and bassists. And she was doing it all at the same time. I couldn't imagine how one person had it in them to make it all happen, to be on their own path and following their own dreams. And during our conversation, I was lucky enough to learn that for her, it's all intuition, believing in the sueños of her ancestors and her own power to execute them. She's mad connected to her raices and uses that as fuel for her to advocate for the things she cares about and find peace in her own choices. This vision that you have, is that something that's always been present in your life? I mean, a lot of these things, like you started playing guitar really young. You started She Treads really young. Like a lot of the work you've done as an artist, as a community builder even, I would I would say, started really early for you. Is, is that something that just always felt natural? It was always inside of you? Even a few years ago, I maybe would have answered this differently or maybe I wouldn't have had a clear answer, but in connecting more with myself and my ancestry and listening to my intuitive movements, we, you know, that have sort of led me to learning more about Mexica culture and my ancestors from the homelands currently known as Mexico. The Mexica people, their study was their dreams. They migrated and moved with their dreams, you know, and listening to that. Their relationship to their intuition was what dictated their movements, you know, where they decided to go and how they decided to leave. Now that I'm studying that, I'm realizing, like, that's that's me. Like, that's always lived in me. That's part of my lineage, you know. That's what I understand how to do. And I feel more than anything, like, the question to me is how did I know how to follow that? How have I always known how to follow that? I don't know. 
but I have. Ever since I found music, the guitar, and found a way to express myself, I've always listened to my intuition and I've always listened to other types of communication other than words, you know? And been like, okay, something about the music industry, about media and the representation of women and black and indigenous and people of color in this media doesn't feel right, you know? Met with the collective intention of when those people come together to create. And I just listened and was like, yeah, let's fill that gap. You know, how I understand it is through media and magazines because that's where I saw the divide. And so I just started to move in that direction. And people came and opportunities came and I just kept walking, you know, until, yeah, until things changed. Far between, I think, you meet people in life who are really so in tune with themselves and are so open to receiving the signs, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> of like, oh, like this is the path that you need to be on. This is what you need to be doing. I think like personally, that's something I'm really trying to lean into right now. We're really, it's like even saying that, even saying that feels like weird and, you know, out of this world, like something that doesn't exist isn't logical. And so... That makes us feel like, are we crazy to even think that that's a communication we could have? And so it's hard to even have the words to talk about it, you know, to talk about it in a way that's validated. That experience is valid just because we don't necessarily have the words. We haven't been taught how to speak about it doesn't mean that it's not. The way that you describe it, right? You're like, oh, and then I just walked. Mm. It feels so effortless mm. in a way when you when you frame it that way and, and I have to believe that it was and it wasn't right like this is who you are is you're a person who just walks and also the things that you've been doing the things that you've accomplished to me doesn't feel like just walking and I wonder if at different points you ever questioned that piece of yourself you questioned that ability to just kind of be like no this is what I'm doing this is what I have to be doing like was that attention inside of you or were you just really sure like this is what I should be doing? I want to start by sort of saying that like we all walk. Like we're all walking. Yeah. You know? That's, we're all going somewhere we're all whether going, we like it or not. Exactly. Yeah. I think what you or other people find interesting and exciting about how I walk is that it's not easy to get to the point of like trusting yourself and being like you know what? I have an idea. I have a seed and I'm going to plant it. I'm going to actually plant it and see if it grows. And then I'm going to see it grow patiently and I'm going to see what it blossoms into. And when it blossoms, I'm going to distribute it and I'm going to share it with people so that they have these seeds and they can plant it and they can distribute. And that is a whole field. And it's not easy to do that because because that's the history of our people. We've been severed from that, from literally that exact movement. We all walk. It's just, who are we listening to? I've chosen to listen to myself. 
that's what my mom taught me. I was raised by a single mom. That's all we had. We just had each other. Growing up as a kid, watching your mom hustle like that, right? Were you sitting there thinking about some of these things at any point? Was that was that a factor in what pushed you towards this work? Were you sitting there thinking about the possibility of feeling, of expressing in, in a creative way? I do feel like I was. I was always like really quiet like even watching videos of myself I would just sit and stare and I'm sure I was thinking some like crazy (laughs) I was like that too I was like that too my mom when I was in the car when I was little we would be driving around she would like freak out she would think I had like something had happened to me Mm because I was so quiet in the car for so long and she would look back and I would just be staring out the window absolutely (laughs) like just like envisioning another life Mm -hmm. you know I mean, yeah, essentially that's what it is. You know, I think for some of us that are fighting for something different is because we literally grew up dreaming of another life, dreaming of wanting to see your mom, like, sit down and have a meal, just wanting to feel a sense of freedom, liberation, openness. Do you feel like, because I loved the way you talked earlier about this idea of of dreams carrying our ancestors in some ways, that that they were driven by their dreams, like talking about your mom and and the way that you now have time and the ability to dream, but she must have been dreaming as well. Mm -hmm. Was that something you could feel or did it feel like it was unique to you? Definitely she was dreaming. I mean, she worked hard for us to survive, but then... There would be times where she would just like pick me up and we would drive to Portland. That's why I live in Portland now is because when I started playing guitar, she saw an ad for the girls rock camp and was like, I'm going to take you there. So she just like put me in the car and we drove from Austin to Portland and that changed my life. That's the first time that I really realized that women played guitar, that like there was a whole other history of music. My mom was the first person to break cycles from my family. You know, she had a kid outside of marriage. Like she raised me by herself. All kinds of things, you know, that's not that aren't common at all. So yeah, she worked, but she dreamed hard and she made a lot of her dreams happen. And she continues to through me. She tells me that all the time. And I think now it's like, well, now I get to make my mom's dreams come true. Right back to this conversation with Fabi Reina. Don't go anywhere. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, A People's History from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Directed by Prentice Penny, executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter, A People's History tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. 
From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how a new study aims to impact an underrepresented community. My greatest hope for the Voices of Black Women study is that it will help us understand and identify culturally tailored ways to change and really eliminate the unacceptable disparities for future generations of Black women as it relates to cancer. To learn more, go to voices.cancer.org. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. When you were young and you first started playing and you went to that camp, was that something you said your mom took you and and was that something that she identified just really early on in you was this spirit this desire to make music to perform like what what was that process like I think my mom always wanted me to have a different life than some of the things that she had to grow up with I think she always wanted to make sure that I followed and I fought for what I wanted When I met the guitar and I started expressing myself, I was also really, really angry. I had a lot of anger growing up. And so I I I literally think that one of the reasons why she did that was to, like, just help me. Because there were definitely times in my life when I didn't know what was going to happen to me. Especially when I was younger and I was a teenager and I think that music literally saved my life and I think... That community saved my life and that all started because of my mom following her intuition and being like I need to do this like I need to take her across the country (laughs) something's there you know but I think what it was was strengthening that like she noticed that I loved something you know that I loved the guitar and I loved music And at that time, I was kind of, I was like ready to give it up. And my mom was like, no. So much of your music is wrapped up in so much more than just just making something. It's mm-hmm. it's wrapped up in the things you care about, your activism, you know, caring about Afro-Indigenous people mm-hmm. and Afro-Mexican people and all of these different things. And when did that become a part of it? Like, was there a point where you were like, this clearly needs, has to be, there is no me making music without including these messages? Was it just a natural piece of, of creating for you always? When I started playing music, there was this moment where 
the lack of representation, the lack of visibility, and the lack of access to those spaces made me want to stop. Or even the direct and explicit exclusion made me give up. When I experienced that, I was like, no one should experience this. Like, no one should be not allowed to do something because of their gender or because of their sexuality or the color of their skin. So to me, I look at women musicians or I look at Afro and Afro-Indigenous communities and I look at Indigenous women who are being killed. Like, all of that is a part of all my music. And my music is a part of that in like wanting to make people feel connected to themselves, you know, so that they're like, so that they can be like, wait, what is, what am I doing? You know, like what's happening? <laughs> Why are we making the decisions that we're making? And to just be constantly questioning. I'm Mexican, but I'm also like a little bit separated from Mexican culture as we understand it, you know, as like nationalism and and I feel really grateful for that because I can see the ways that Mexican culture has excluded Afro-Mexican voices and Afro-Mexican experiences and has contributed to missing and murdered indigenous women and the femicides. And I want to change that, you know? Like, to me, like, that's my purpose. That's what I want my music to do. And if it's not doing that, then I'm doing something wrong. I'm not following my path. So when did you finally come to singing? What was that for you? She Shreds was full on by 2012. I spent the next like four years really trying to, really building it. Putting the guitar aside, putting, practicing music aside. And in 2016, I got asked by Red Bull Music Academy to join a seven guitar ensemble for this Glen Branca Orchestra. They asked me the next, in 2016, to come to their music academy at Bonnaroo, and that's where I met Sumo. Sumo and I just immediately hit it off, and we formed Reina Tropical. There, in our first recording sessions, he was like, um, like, will you sing? <laughs> and I was like, absolutely not. Like, I'm not a singer. I'm not gonna sing. He was like, just do it. And I was like, Okay, get me some tequila. <laughs> How all good things start. No, especially, I mean, singing. We're talking about, oh, you remove everything with the song, and the tequila helps start the fire in the belly that makes that happen. Totally. So there you go. Totally. So 2016, I started to like be like, okay, I'm going to sing. So yes, I sang, we made that year, we made Nina and No Me Quieres, and I was like, just not, I was still not into it. I was like, this is weird. My thing is she shreds, but like put it out if you want, you know? And pretty soon <laughs> after actually, 
um, NPR released our first EP like on like a first listens thing. Mm -hmm. And we were like, whoa, I guess people like this. Hmm. And so we kept going. That initial meeting with with Sumo and, and that connection that you guys kind of immediately formed, I feel like I've looked at a lot of the ways that, that you've described him and something that really struck me is you called him your soulmate in music and partner in revolution. Was yeah. that like, <laughs> was it like just That's meeting cool. him like that? What, what Was it initial just like fireworks in that way? I mean, it's so like unique to have that kind of creative connection with someone. Yeah, it is. I mean, first of all, <laughs> I wish um, it was not fireworks. <laughs> I love that. That's even better. That's great. <laughs> um, we were like, I mean, I was just like, speaking of trust, you know, I was really hardcore with him about trusting him and I've always been very, I, I, I grew up, like, just not really trusting men. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> literally. And so here comes Sumo, like, wanting to collaborate on music with me and telling me to sing. And I was like, fool, like, get out of here. Mm. Like, who even are you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so there was a lot of that, yeah. you know, for, like, probably two or three years, literally, of, like, him trying to gain my trust, me trying to even understand him as a brown Mexican man, being very triggered by that, and us being in this constant dialogue about it. But obviously it was our ability to, like, communicate through frequency and, like, just, like, I don't know how we're doing this, but we can make a whole song in three hours. That's what the improv is telling us. Yeah. Like, there's something between us and that's what we're going to follow and what eventually brought us into like a balanced energy between him and I it was our conversations about queer love in Afro-Mexico when I talked he listened to me about the injustices against women and the murders and the violence against women and the sexism that's a problem in Mexico, but also in like the Latina culture that lives right here in Los Angeles too. It lives yeah. all over. And it was really important for me to know that he knew that, that he respected that, you know? And for him, it was me listening to him about Afro-Mexico, you know, the ways that the experiences and the voices have been excluded from Mexican culture and what it's like being a dark-skinned brown man. And both of us had these experiences that he will never understand and I will never understand. And that keeps us really balanced in just like, okay, we're listening. What did having a creative partner who was able to not share your experiences, but to feel them so intensely and to, mm -hmm. to create within them, what did that feel like f 
for you? I mean, that must have felt like like love. That must have felt like I don't know. What what was that like? It was definitely love. It was deep love. It was kind of like I can't believe this exists.、Mm-hmm. You know, like I can't believe like someone is just willing to do that for me.、Mm-hmm. You know, and have me in this lifetime, no matter what. Like it felt like protection. And it's funny because even though that is deep love, we are still very Mexican, and we were, and we just always pretended like we were just like whatever, like brother sister. Like I don't have this, I don't have like, it's too much to talk about love, you know, between the two of us or whatever. So we always like kind of pretended like it wasn't too deep, but it was, you know, it was. I still—it's hard for me to even find the words because it's hard to find anyone who's willing to understand you to the fullest beyond what we can understand on this earth. Like we would always say to each other, like, "I don't know what this is. Like I don't understand it. Like we don't understand what the hell is happening right now." But it's wild, and we know it's unique, and we know it's. Necessary, so let's just do it. What does that connection feel like now? First, I always know that I can find him in the water. Our connection lives in the water, and in the last even four months, like our music has literally guided me to play performing next to water in moments where I needed that the most, like where I felt like the most. It felt the most difficult, you know. So, that's one way that that connection survives, and I f- also feel like a vastness. He's so much more powerful. His side of this, he's not just one person anymore. He's like a whole collective of people. I feel like I find him in my collaborations now, and in working with organizations, and in. Yeah, in so many different places. One of the first things that came to me when he passed and continues to be this way is trusting my intuition and making sure my intuition is strong and that my body is in good health so that the intuition can be clear and that my practice and my ritual and my routine is good so that I know how to follow the intuition, write it down, see it through. At this point now, like that's where he lives. You know, he's my ancestor. He lives in my intuition. Thanks again to Fabi Reina from Reina Tropical. Also, huge thanks to our production assistants Fio Riley, Jerusalem Truth, and Sophia Seidel. 
Big thanks to our audio producer, Ron Scalzo, our editor, Hazel Sills, and the woman who keeps it all together, Grace Chung. Also, big thanks to the Hefein Chief, Keith Jenkins, VP of Music and Visuals. Felix will be back with us next week, so get excited. You have been listening to Alt Latino. Thanks for listening. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.